to act without an expectation of the outcome is to act in complete clarity. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Mental Sweet Spot podcast, where we share stories, tips, and advice to help softball coaches develop mentally tough teams. Today's guest is a coach to adolescent boys and a promoter of confidence, health, and joy. He simply wants to help people reach more of what they deserve, fun, companionship, health, wealth, or even adventure by listening, talking, and pushing the mental and physical boundaries. Today we discuss the journey that led him to becoming a confidence coach, things he helps his clients overcome, his five C's that build towards confidence, and a special tip for us coaches. Your freebie today is a game our guest himself has played and it would be a great exercise for a coaching staff and or a team. You've likely heard us talk about our recent trip to the NFCA and our epic best season ever tour that followed. Along that week-long journey, we spoke to hundreds of coaches and learned even more about what they need to be able to implement the mental game more when they're already strapped for time and energy. We've had the solution for a while based on years of trial and error and some intensive strategizing and refining by Alicia and I. And the solution we've created is the Dream Team Blueprint. This proven, easy-to-implement system helps softball coaches develop resilient, cohesive teams that buy into the season's mission. We put together a free live training and would love to see you there so we can learn what your dream team looks like and show you how the system will help make it a reality. To sign up, head to mentalsweetspot.com. Now let's get to the show. Without further ado, we are so excited to share the stories and wisdom of our dream teammate and favorite Brit, Dale Hancock. Welcome, Dale. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. How are we today? Well, we're good. (laughs) Fantastic. So let's just jump right in. You are a confidence coach for guys. So when and how did you kind of fall into this field of confidence and mental toughness? Whoa, what a what a crazy question. What a crazy <laughs> answer is going to happen. Um, well, first of all, thank you for inviting me on the show, guys. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. Um, of course. So excited to have you. I know. And I'm like, super excited because this, this is my first one, ladies. So I am super all right. excited be here let's do this is this is a first for me yeah it's gonna be the best yeah. yeah awesome okay cool so confidence coach well um i don't know actually i can't i find it quite hard to pinpoint the the exact time but i think it was more of an amalgamation of all circumstances that happened in my life um in fact i'd probably say a revelation point for me uh, massive insight was when my, I went to play some golf with my dad and we we're in the car and this happened I'd probably say only around about three years ago and we we're in the car um, and he said Dale I don't know how you do it and I said well, what's that he said speak in front of hundreds and hundreds of people I don't know how you do it so well frankly dad neither do I I just get up and do it <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, he said no seriously because you're so confident and I don't I didn't get that. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'd love to hear what you hear your side of my journey into confidence. And and he said, well, uh, I remember the first time because at school, I remember you being bullied and used to come home every single day crying in tears. And it broke my heart. Um, And I thought one day uh, I'm going to go into the school, I stand outside the school gates and watch a playtime. So, well, Dad, you can't do that now, Dad. (laughs) My word. Um, and he said, no, seriously, I did, did that because I was going to speak to their teacher and said, I'm not going to have, have any, have my son be bullied like this. Um, cause it was, it was horrific. And he, and I said, oh, wow. Okay. What did you see? 
And they said, well, I just saw you standing in the middle of the playground um, just by yourself, no friends, no laughter, just shuffling your feet, just alone, whilst every single child around you was having fun, joking, uh, playing, running, smiling, laughing, having food, and you were just you were just there, just doing nothing. And it, it, it I think, I think seeing that um, made it even it was probably worse than than seeing you being picked on because I probably could have handled that more. And I was like, whoa, Dad, that, that's that's really this strange. It gave me a massive insight into 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 me and probably the beginning of my journey without me even realizing and pinpointing the spot so um if you haven't guessed already i was severely bullied when i was younger uh, physically and emotionally uh, the worst was the emotional side of things um, and it was quite a revelation to hear my father's point of view because i'd never heard that story before i had no idea that he stood outside the school base watching me um making sure i was okay kind of having my back kind of like a silent hero looking after me mm. um, and I do, well, qualified in timeline therapy. And it was as if my dad accidentally did a bit of timeline therapy on me. <laughs> because, uh. because it's like, I felt like I didn't have support and I felt like I had to teach myself confidence throughout the entirety of my life. But knowing that my dad was there silently kind of looking after me, I kind of dropped in um, that support mechanism throughout the entirety of my life up until the the point where I decided to really act on becoming a confidence coach um I think I got into it properly because there was a series of things that happened in my life um and it was it was too much for me uh, it was uh, for example so all, the, all these things happened in this order I had a car crash I lost my job I found out that um, my girlfriend that I was seeing for five years uh, had been unfaithful to me for the entirety of those five years. Mm. Um, and my mom had a heart attack. And that all happened mm. in the space of roughly around about six months or so. And, and it completely obliterated me, really, really destroyed me. Um, and I I didn't know what to do. I, had a, I, had a, I guess I had two choices of either of either stepping up and just not letting it bother me or just allow it to consume me and just be dropped in a pit of black depression. So I chose the latter because I had no idea um, because nothing like this ever happened to me before. So I had no experience, no recollection, no values or beliefs around this area. So I didn't know what to do. Um, and uh, eventually, so eventually I sought the help of a coach. I um, And he helped me no end. To, to have a mentor to help guide you through something is just invaluable. And I decided to do do something quite big because um, I've always been quite big picture. So I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll apply for a game show. So I applied for a TV game show called Ninja Warrior. You may have heard of it. And um, unfortunately, I didn't get on. But the producers liked my video so much that I sent through. They said, I'll tell you what, why don't you apply for this show instead? And I said, OK, what's it called? It's called Cannonball, which is very similar to Total Wipeout. So I applied for it. Um, went through the first phase, passed the trial, uh, went through the third the third phase and uh, nailed it. And they said, Dale, we'd like to invite you to Malta to um, to be on the show. You meet Freddie Flintoff and a few of the celeb celebrities. And I thought, well, that's absolutely fantastic. Thank you very kindly. I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, and I, uh, I had three intentions for the show, to meet an array of new people, uh, to have a ridiculous amount of fun and to win. 
and it was really bizarre. I've done a, I'm a master of NLP, um, qualified in CBT. And it's almost as if I anchored me opening the doors to the, well, I didn't open the doors. I would have been in a lot of trouble. When the plane landed, I walked <laughs> through the doors um, to Malta and I, um, it, it was if it was like a fresh start. It was like mm. a massive refresh and it was crazy. Um, and I had, I had a ridiculous amount of fun. I met so many cool new people in the different, different environment. And, um, I was determined to win this show. Um, and, and well, we, you know, without spoiling it too much for you guys, I, I won, the, I won the entire TV game show, um, all because of a belief. And I thought, wow, as if this happens. So I wanted to think, how can I teach this to people? How can I, how can I allow, first of all, people to experience the hardship in life? Cause I think that's important. Um, but how, what, what mechanisms can I give them or tools can I provide to them that will help them get out of the depression, get away from the anxiety to move or block the stress to, to help them become better versions themselves um, in the long run at a quicker time. Uh, so I decided to, to magically, beautifully transform into a confidence coach because I believe that's the one thing that helped me and I believe it's the one thing that's helped the majority if not all of my clients become better versions of themselves. So yeah, that's kind of me in a massive nutshell. <laughs> oh, so good. I love that story. I've heard part of the story a couple of times now and it still gives me every time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm so cheers. proud that you could do that cannonball into that tiny little <laughs> circle that was floating everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, just it was cool. Encompassed so much. It was so cool. Yeah, for you listeners, all... don't worry. Go to the webpage. I'll include those videos. <laughs> <laughs> By all means. Um. Well, awesome. So you come on this journey, and I feel like this is your calling. Like getting to know you, especially over the past couple of weeks. Like this is for sure where you are meant to be. What are some things that you've seen your clients or anyone you've talked to struggle with that? You really feel that calling to help? That's a really good question. A lot of, a lot of the times it's it's being consumed. They, they kind of consume themselves with other people's perceptions of them. And I find that I find that mind boggling now. I mean, back in the day, I can completely sympathize with them. But now it's as if, oh, well, that's another person's perceptions of you. You don't have to take on that perception. So when somebody does do or say something not very nice or unpleasant to you, it's them essentially, whatever it is, it's them essentially throwing their own garbage at you and you have a choice of either catching it um, and rolling around in it um, or just dodging it and avoiding it and, and realising actually, no, I'm not, I'm not going to take that projection. I'm not, I'm not going to take that reflection of yourself onto me. I know who I am. and. I am strong within and I can do whatever I want to do because it's a choice. So I believe it's um, that a step away from that would be a growth in their self-worth and their self, self-concept, which I think is really, really important, which, which to answer your question, Mal, is, is, is quite low in people these days because unfortunately we are um, quite 
social creatures, or not, unfortunately, social creatures in regard to valuing other people's opinion of ourselves, which mm -hmm. unfortunately forms our own identity, which means that, oh, okay, so this person said this nice thing about my hair, so that means I'm going to make sure my hair is perfect every single time. Um, and, it, and heaven forbid it shouldn't be. I mean, if it, if it is, if it is out of shape, then, oh my gosh, my whole morning, my whole day is going to be completely messed up. Um, so it's having the self-worth and the self-concept within to know your own identity, to know your own strengths and to realise your weaknesses and know that these weaknesses are there for you for, you for a purpose to work on. Love that. Yeah. Dale, Dale I want to go back to something that you had said. Um, you talked about choices. And yeah. I know that's something that we, we talk about at Matawan all the time with our players too. Like every day you wake up, you have a choice on how you're going to approach the day. You know, you have a choice how you're going to react to the umpire. You're going to, you know, you have choices that you face every single day. And yeah. I know sometimes, especially for younger kids, it's a very difficult thing for them to maybe take ownership of that choice. So what are some of the things that you talk about with your clients when it comes to something like that? Okay, so there's something that I help um, my clients out in regards to uh, them moving through the door of fear. I call it. So it's, there's a, it's kind of like a door, door of fear. And I use my own story in regards to when I jumped out of a plane, um, and how I've never experienced jumping out of a plane before. <laughs> it's kind of a big step. I mean, I've never been in a plane with a door open before, let alone jumping out of one. Um, so, uh, <laughs> not I many people do, Dale. Not many people do. But two out of three here have. <laughs> yes, I am the lone. <laughs> we should say they're a tandem skydive together at some point. Yes, it's on the cards. So, what I say to uh, my clients is, I go through the five C's. So, number one is uh, is can't. So, whenever they hear the word can't. And I'm talking self-talk. So when they say the word can't to themselves, um, threaded, beautifully disguised and hidden throughout the word can't is the phrase, I won't. Um, when everyone says the word, oh, I, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't, I can't juggle. I can't juggle. Well, you can. You, you have to learn. You have to take small steps. You have to use one ball. And then you have to use two balls. That's another step. And then the next step is three balls. And then you have to go in this order then you stand against the wall and etc so that so the skill builds up um and whenever they hear the word can't well they say i can't do that so it, it's more like a, i won't i won't learn i won't do this so if there's something that is in a client my client's way or a child's way um for example uh, a choice that could be really empowering for them um they feel like oh i can't do that so well i actually say well why, why won't you do that Oh, I can't do it. Well, actually, why won't you do that? Because you can, you can do that, but why won't you? And then we discuss the fear that everything threaded around that. Um, and then I move on to the next C and talk about courage. Now, I believe that courage is a <laughs> an unbeknown skill to somebody. I believe it's an act of doing something without knowing how to do it and what the outcome is going to be so to have that courage first of all um, and it's it's almost it's almost as if courage is a guess you don't know what's going to happen but you're so you're so confident within yourself you're so content within yourself it doesn't matter if you fail it doesn't matter if you make a mistake 
Um, and then we move towards how a mistake is actually not a mistake, it's a learning. And the, the more, the most successful people in the world are the biggest failures and have had them had made the most mistakes um and the third c we talk about consistency so if it was a certain choice in in softball or something like that um and they make a mistake the first time well it's just like, okay let's consistently go through this action let's consistently make that choice um and we'll see where we end up and we see how we how we work through that and then that gradually moves towards clarity and then so you get more more clarity you get more clear on your vision you get more clear on the expected outcome of what what's going to happen and then it moves towards competence and when you it's almost it becomes second nature so it almost becomes unconscious competence so you, you don't really realize you're doing it it's like riding a bike or driving a car we never we never get to the end of the journey and, and remember recall every single step we just think oh my gosh how did I get here? On my word, that went so fast. Um, and and all of those five C's gradually build towards confidence. So that's 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 one little tool that I use. So to go through that order again, the five C's are can't, courage, consistency, clarity, and competence. And they all lead to confidence. That is genius. I love this. And I love that everything is C's. We have C's too. Jen had C's. <laughs> this yeah. is awesome. It's just the best letter. Yeah. You've got C's. You, yeah, you've got seven, right? Uh-huh. Oh, you're beating me. Nuts. I need to think of some more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can add some in. <laughs> so when they're going through that progression, are there any C's that your kids or anybody you work with tend to get stuck on? Uh, yes. Uh, okay. So it's more the consistency because at mm. this point, it, consistency is so tough because they, it really, really attacks their mental toughness. It really, really grinds away at them because they feel as, as if, oh, it's not working. Then it moves on to giving up or quitting. Um, whereas the more <laughs> that you do fail, the stronger, um, the process, the neural connections happening inside your mind is going to be for you to carry out that certain skill or that certain decision. So it tends to be the, the, the surprisingly, I, I mean, I assumed it was going to be the courage doing that, that one thing, but know that borderline every single one of my clients goes through that. And that, but it's the consistency that's the repetition um, that they struggle with. Have you found the same thing with what you do Mel, with that? Yeah. Now that you put it that way, that's for sure the same. I had a professor explain it to us, uh, how our brain remembers the tough things better for whatever neurological reason that's above my head. <laughs> I'm sure you can enlighten people more on that. But when you think about like, okay, think about all your performances, how many bad ones can you remember? <laughs> how many of the mess ups can you remember? But I think that is nature's way of <clears throat> making sure we remember to not do that again and figure out a way around it. <laughs> yeah. I, oh my, my word! I absolutely completely agree. It's nature's. It's our old brain that's trying to serve us, protect us, to help us survive. Because if we, when we were cavemen and cave women, we, you know, if we went out in for a random walk in the environment and we saw some some berries um, and we eat the berries, then well, we're going and they're poisonous. We we're going to die. So we, we you know, that's going to affect our our 
um survival whereas if we go out and we we have a nice swim and it was fun we don't really need to remember that because we're not we're not going to die from that we haven't got a potential to harm ourselves so we have to really lock in those poisonous berries or over there there's a cave where the giant viper snake lives <laughs> yikes yeah <laughs> So we have to be aware of that because it's going to help our survival. But little does our um, our brain know that we don't have to do that anymore, especially when it comes to uh, bullies at school, whether it comes to harsh comments from the competitors, um, you know, whether it, even even harsh comments from my parents, you know, it, it's um, it's actually reframing it and realizing, do you know what? I'm going to use that as energy. I'm going to use that horrible phrases energy to actually prove it to myself not to them but to myself that I can actually do better next time and if I don't that's okay I'm going to keep on striving for it which boils down to my third C consistency mm-hmm. mm. reframing is one of our favorite phrases and you know things that we really talk about too and I think it's so important to you had mentioned it earlier, Dale, about stressing the learning opportunity, right? And if yeah. you just can reframe, right, any type of even failure as as a learning opportunity and what, what lessons do you pull from that? Like you mentioned, you know, very successful people have failed more often than probably not. And that's why they're successful. So reframing that is is one thing that I think is so critical, especially in the sports world, but not necessarily the sports world to make sure that they're really understanding it's a learning opportunity and that's how they grow. Exactly. Exactly. I completely agree. So I kind of want to turn the tables a little bit on you, Dale. Uh, Let's flip it back to you specifically with the consistency piece. What were some ways that you found made it easier to get through like I heard someone say, embrace the suck. <laughs> like, like honestly, like wanting those like oh situations, because then you know, at least in the back of your mind, like, well, at least this is gonna make me better. <laughs> What's helped you personally that you now use with others? Yeah, well, to, to be honest, I I get people um that are very similar to me, or I ask I ask um clients to think of a role model for them, or, or a group of, of different friends that actually want to progress in that particular area. Um, that they can surround themselves with because obviously you must have heard of you, you are the five of the average you hang around you are the average of the five people you hang around with the most mm-hmm. so it's, it's about changing that around and I know that's been completely overplayed but it's so true, mm-hmm. it's so true. I've got a cool little test that I do um, on, a, on a big blackboard activity that, that I've got that, that proves that to be true um, embrace the suck is fantastic I mean I always think that yeah <laughs> I, I, um, I want people to find the failure. So it's almost they intentionally go out to fail just so they know how, how it feels and just to say that oh, I feel really uncomfortable. So every single day I say that you've got to make yourself feel uncomfortable and you've got to choose one of three things, uh, whether it's to fail, whether to learn something new um, or to stretch your comfort zone by doing something completely different. Um, and it's it's to completely well I call it find the fail so you've got to find yourself uh, a, a kind of an area of your life or an area of the game where you know you're going to fail and you just go ahead and do it anyway so they they kind of embrace it if that makes sense oh absolutely makes sense I love that yeah I think it's also the same thing as, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone. It's another thing to hear. 
Um, but I think you have to first step out of your comfort zone before you can learn to embrace the suck. And I mm -hmm. think, that, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what's so hard um, for, for everyone, because you mentioned earlier that door, right? It's the fear of failure that really sometimes hold it, holds us back, even as coaches. Um, and I think I've recognized that for myself, that stepping outside of my comfort zone, uh, as you witnessed, Dale, um, when we were together is, is very <laughs> difficult for me to do, but you helped me get through it and you coached me through that. And I think it's just that you had mentioned that too. We are so concerned about what people are looking at and thinking about us that we're not concerned about the message or what we're saying. And that is one of the biggest takeaways. I think I had personally when working with you, um, that specific day when we were filming in Indianapolis. Yes. I loved, I loved that. That was, and I, I got a, I got a massive takeaway from that. So, so don't turn into a director mode when I was behind the camera, but turn into kind of just coach mode and just, mm -hmm. and just go through it. It's, it's funny that you, you talk about, um, about, about that moving out of our comfort zone into what I like to call it our stretch zone. Mm -hmm. Um, so, <laughs> literally yesterday um me and three friends who are all coaches as well um we thought it would be a good idea we went to a ninja warrior gym in stoke and we thought it'd be a good idea to play uh yes which is a kind of like the yes theory it's a game whereby we have to do something that we don't really want to do and it's to feel the uncomfort so this may help um in regards to stepping out of the comfort zone to to find parts of your life or an activity which you are very uncomfortable with and i'm going to give you four examples because this is exactly what we did so i had one friend um i said okay so here's here's your task you have to we're in the middle of the town center so we're having a nice coffee and i said you have to find uh, somebody and ask for a christmas a christmas hug and say merry christmas and <laughs> this guy doesn't really like uh, human contact um he feels quite awkward and that was a big deal to him. And um, it was it was in a nice, safe environment, so everything's okay, he's, he's good. Uh, another friend had to speak, had to ask somebody for a seat, take a sit down and, and speak about what their, their meaning of Christmas was. Um, and another friend had to get a group of people to sing Jingle Bells with him. And uh, my job was to speak to, um, oh, in fact, no, my job was to stand on a market store and sell cars to people. Um, because I've got a thing thing for selling. I'm not a. I'm. I'm. I'm I get. I'll be open with you. I get a little bit um, uh, nervous. Let's say uh, of selling and selling to people is completely out of my comfort zone. So I had to sell uh, three three cards for a pound, um, and eventually I got told to leave. <laughs> <laughs> So I was being too loud. And as I did, a lady bought one from me. So I thought, oh, yay, fantastic. The yes game has passed for me. And the only reason why we did that for was because we wanted to push and extend our comfort zone. Because I think every single time we do go into our stretch zone, it, it's completely okay and necessary to go back into our comfort zone. But as we do, our comfort zone grow, um, sorry, grows slightly. So that next task will be a lot more easier next time. We had a great conversation afterwards of how it completely stretched us. Um, so those are the similar activities, pretty much like that. I mean, we were just playing around as coaches, but it, we've got a lot of value from it. That's great. And I, I love that activity because I think as a coach, I'm preaching that all the time to my players. 
and yeah. help them with that. But it's harder for me to kind of take a step back and even focus on that. So I, I focus on personal development, maybe as a coach from learning new drills and going to conferences and listening to other things. But when it comes to those actual steps, it's hard for me. So, so just to kind of set up the situation that we were talking about is all we were doing was filming, right? So it's spotlights on me and I'm talking to the camera and that's all I have to do. And like you, Dale, I feel very comfortable standing up in front of many, many people and talking, no problem, but put me in that situation and it's very difficult. And I, I can't really put my finger on why it's difficult, but I knew I had to do it. Yeah. And I think with, with the help of, of you and Jen kind of coaching me through that, I was able to get through it and would feel more comfortable the next time I did it because it's like you, you learn to push through those uncomfortable feelings. And I think as a coach and other coaches probably don't do enough of that self-reflection and pushing themselves out of their comfort zone as well, because I've experienced that time and time again. And I know how important it is for my personal growth, which in turn helps my kids even more. So that was a struggle, but I was really glad that you guys made me do it at the I'm end good. of the day. <laughs> I'm really glad. I mean, a, 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 the best sailor's not made on calm seas, right? Exactly. Mm. Yeah. I have two follow-up questions for you, Alicia. One, did you fail the first time I wasn't there? So did you fail the first go at the yeah. recording? Yes, I did. Well, I <laughs> felt I did. And then and then they just basically kept telling me, stop being such a robot and stop trying to memorize the message. It's not about what you look like. And it's about how you say it and how you deliver it. And you need to become more personal in that situation. So I, I understood what they meant. But I absolutely did. So you didn't even fail the way you expected to fail? No. <laughs> like that's what happens to me all the time like now i would get good at like okay well this is the ways i could mess up and then i'd mess up a different way and they'd just be like nah yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what happened right? like this is even worse than i thought yeah because i'm like i said i said what i was supposed to say and they're like really like that's not that's not you that's not who you are and i was like i know at the end i became me and genuine and what I was trying to deliver, which is ultimately what they were trying to get me to do. I love it. That was my second question was how did they actually pull it out of you? And I think mm -hmm. that was it. Mm -hmm. Idea. Right, I got one more question for you too. Okay. Same idea, but a different tangent. Uh, so for finding the fail, I think that is the best phrase I have heard in a while, because I think if you go in with the intention of messing up. Like nothing surprises you. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, I knew that was coming. Um, it just helps ease a lot of the anxiety around messing up. Uh, what would you say are some tips for like, our audience as coaches, but we also talk to a lot of parents and even just the kids themselves for how in the heck do you find the fail? Because I feel like it's an awesome concept, but once you get into it, it'd be hard to like commit to. <laughs> Yeah, it's completely okay. So it's almost as if you've got to turn your turn on your okay button. As a parent, um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to preach this to parents because I don't, I don't have any children. Um, but with all the parents that I've spoken to, um, to 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 act without an expectation of the outcome um, is to act in complete clarity. I think because you're you're when you let's face it i mean nobody knows the future i mean anxiety is living in the future you're, you're kind of guessing to a panic you're guessing to worry and i believe worry worry is praying for something you don't want um and it's 
it shows excitement and shows expectation. But it, it, as long as we know who we are as we journey through and we turn on our OK button and be like, oh, we failed. That's OK. Ding, ding. That's OK. That's good. As long as parents can become a role model for that and not um, and not live in the future or kind of live in, reside in resentment in the past, it's about being completely present in the now and just be, just be. So when they do, um, I don't know, it could be something at work, it could be something in the gym, it could be something with health, it could be something in sport. Um, and when they do fail, especially in front of their children, is to completely laugh about it, completely laugh about it and be a really, a really strong role model in that respect. So it's to completely take the seriousness away from failing and be like, oh, no, I just swung with my foot, missed the ball. My other foot landed on the ball and I went straight on my bum. And now I look like an idiot. Laugh, laugh, laugh. It's OK. What can I do next time? Well, I'll make sure I do this, this and this. And it's about completely turning on your OK button to laugh at yourself. Um, because when I work with children in regard to bullying, you take away an instigator's reward, which is a reaction, by, by laughing and almost taking the mick out of yourself. Um, and it takes the power away from the person that's trying to influence your emotions. So in regard to being a parent, just laugh about failure and seek the failure as well. And do something that's, that really extends your comfort zone. Um, it could be a, a mom who's never played soccer before. I'll say soccer uh, for you guys, but football for the UK listeners over here. <laughs> so a mom that, that wants to kick a ball I mean and she's not going to do it right first time but she's giving it a go she's trying and that sends an unconscious message to her child that oh my gosh my mom's trying my mom's doing something and, and she's 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 going through it and it doesn't matter what she thinks and she it was a rubbish kick but she's laughing about it she's having fun so it's it's about laughing and having fun kind of fun with the failure oh man Alicia, I'm trying to picture you doing this on the field <laughs> when practice is going amok. <laughs> it's a really, really good way to think about it. Um, but yeah, I, again, self-reflection as a coach and how can I change or grow? Um, I also could do that uh, in the backyard with Taylor playing soccer, right? Mm -hmm. Just, yeah, make it, basically being able to laugh through that and you know, there have been a few occasions where something really crazy goes wrong and we just all laugh about it because you really have no choice. But in the moment, that's a very difficult decision to make. But we do have those decisions to make, right? That's the that's the key part. And I think that that's what's so great about what Dale said. I love that because they're already beating themselves up. Then they look at us and they're like, ah, oh, see, proof, I'm terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it just yeah. compounds the effect where really we're most likely just thinking, okay, what do I need to teach them next? <laughs> right, yeah. because usually what they see is our reaction to their mistake. But internally, almost always, it might be something completely different, like you said. So th they're going to read us. So being able to work through how we react to situations on the field, for example, is is a really good lesson for sure. Yes, it's, it's kind of the emotion you deliver as well, right? So mm -hmm. if, if if a child was to fall over and hurt their knee, um, so on occasion, or, or often, should I say, they look up to find the parents look for a reaction. Um, and it, depending on the parent reaction will depend on how the child acts, and that will carry 
would be carried with them through the entirety of their lives um, and want to avoid pain, physical pain or emotional pain, um, unbeknown to them that actually this pain is going to help them grow and become become better and stronger and i'm not suggesting go out there and you know physically hurt yourself i'm just saying accidents do happen don't they (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean how often have you ran across the field and fallen over and scuffed your knee i mean laugh about it you know i I think sometimes when that happens the 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 emotional pain of, of embarrassment outweighs the pain of the physical um unfortunately and it's just a Oh no! What will people think about me? What? What? Oh no! I messed up. They're going to hate me. Oh no! And it's just, just laugh, have fun. You didn't do it on purpose. Oh man! I feel like if you could get to that point with an entire team of adolescent and young adult women, that's magic. <laughs> oh, for sure. Hey, right, Dale. What else have you got for us? Is there anything we haven't covered? Any tips that you just want everyone to know that have worked well that you want to share? I want. I want people, I want people to be and live their own story. So what do I mean by that? I see a lot these days of children comparing themselves um, to other people. And they may have learned that from, from their parents. They may have learned that from the media, social media, friends, school, religion, who knows? Um, it doesn't matter where it came from. It matters what they intend to do with this information that's been given to them. So, I mean, you can't, I think I said this to you guys before, you, you can't you can't compare Harry Potter chapter 13 to chapter 13 and Lord of the Rings. They're two completely different books. So why on earth would Michelle want to compare, 12-year-old Michelle, want to compare herself to 12-year-old Casey? I don't, I don't get it. They've had they've had an array of different experiences, um, different cultures, um, different parenting, different awarenesses. And, and with that, they've grown different attitudes and different beliefs and different values. And when a child compares themselves to other people, they they're automatically going to lose because to be like somebody else is impossible absolutely impossible and it's about staying in your own air and i think unconsciously what i'm trying to say here guys is i would love it if people could stay in their own lane and they can focus on their own story and make it as beautiful and as crazy and as fun and as as failing mm-hmm. <laughs> and as, as they possibly can um why compare your even why compare your chapter 27 to another person's chapter 38 doesn't make sense doesn't make sense to me so ignore the filters on instagram um ignore the airbrushing in magazines uh ignore the 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 goodness that people project on their own instagram because that's that's their story if they want to do that that's absolutely fine allow them to do that just don't follow it follow your own story and be your unique dream There were literally no more words to say after that awesome ending. So we will leave it there. If you would like to get the PDF for his yes game, head to mentalsweetspot.com forward slash episode 33. And if you'd like to hear from our final and most amazing founder of the dream team, come back next week and you'll get to meet her. Until then, have a good one.